Founded in 1998, Dignitas is a controversial assisted dying clinic located in Switzerland. The not-for-profit organisation assists those that meet the criteria, the right to die with dignity. Sources for this episode include The Guardian, Dignitas, Wired and dignityindying.org.uk. Hi guys, welcome back to episode 44 of Unknown Passage, a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or been murdered abroad. And yet again, we're going down a different route for this and there's a few reasons why, um, but I hope this episode is really informative for you. Um, I'm not trying to change anyone's opinions in things I bring up in this episode, but I think it's an important thing to talk about. So just before I get started, I hope you're all well. Um, same old in Melbourne, um, fascist state. Just Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. But I was going to take a bit of time off because um, not only is it pretty tough here at the moment, like I've said a million times, but also um, I'm looking at moving pretty soon, um, which has been in the works for quite a while. So there's a lot of things to kind of organise and things like that. Um, so, but I have, I think, four Patreon episodes left to go and I've got so many more listens in the last week and each time I go to take a break, I kind of miss the podcast and I miss telling these stories um, and I kind of miss the sound of my own voice because I never hear it otherwise <laughs> at the moment um, and I don't like to keep people hanging and people who are my patrons you know one of their perks is that they get to pick a location for an upcoming episode and so this episode we are jetting from last episode we were in Antarctica we're going probably to the other side of the world, technically. Um, we're going to Switzerland for this episode and this episode is for patron Julie. I didn't think anyone from Switzerland listened to my podcast, but turns out Julie does. Um, I have been to Switzerland. I love Switzerland. I think the Swiss do almost everything right. Um, they're just incredible. I always say that to Julie. And Julie said Switzerland, obviously, where she's from. Um, and then she had a backup. I really wanted to do her first option, but it has literally been weeks of me trying to find a case. And as is the case with Switzerland, I cannot find one because Switzerland is one of the safest countries in the world. Um, very little bad happens there. There is a very low crime rate. Um, and all I could find was people going missing in the Alps or having canyoning accidents. And I was going to do an episode that kind of had a few different stories of people missing in the Alps and things. But in the back of my mind the whole time, I was like, I really, the only thing associated with death um, that I associate with Switzerland is the the organisation Dignitas. And I'm not sure if you know Dignitas by name, but you've probably heard of it in terms of controversy. Um, so I hope Julie's okay with me doing Dignitas for her episode Um because I think it's really important. This month is Suicide Prevention Month. And while it may seem that Dignitas really does 
is kind of the polar opposite to that. Um, Dignitas is a assisted dying organisation um, in Switzerland. A number of countries across the world now have assisted dying laws, which I'll get into. But for this particular episode, I will just be talking about Dignitas. Um, I remember hearing about Dignitas when it was first set up. Um, and in the 2000s, it was very controversial. There was always something said about it. And I think that things have kind of cooled off a bit. Um, people are always in other people's business, always trying to campaign against things that other people are choosing to do with their own bodies. Um, so I will say from the outset that I am 100% in favour of Dignitas. Um, I think what they do is an incredible service to people who wish to die. Um, and if you don't believe that Either don't listen to this episode or stay tuned to the end of the episode where I will go through a number of cases that have happened at Dignitas. I do generally find that people who are against these things have never been through them themselves. They've never known anyone with these conditions. They wouldn't even know what the conditions were. They're just flagrantly, no, 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 immediately. Um, and I think that we all have a right to choose what we do with our bodies and how our deaths come about. Um, as I am 100% pro-choice, I am 100% for assisted dying laws. Um, they should be more widespread. However, there are just a couple of restrictions I believe should be in place, which they are with Dignitas, um, such as age limits. Um, so I do want to get into this. Now, I do just want to give a shout out to The Guardian newspaper. In 2009, there was a reporter called Amelia Gentleman, which wrote, she wrote a amazing, really long piece where she went to meet the founder and um, director of Dignitas, spent time with him um, and wrote this incredible piece that really shines a light on what it is about. It's called Inside the Dignitas House. Um, I also used the Dignitas website for information, um, Wired and Dignity and Dying because a lot that comes up about Dignitas and a lot of people that want to access the service in Switzerland but can't are Britons and there's a lot to be said about people in Britain not having the access to these services um, that they should have and also when they do access these services with family members, um, then facing ramifications back in Britain, which I've said this before on the podcast, I don't generally think other countries should get involved in what happens in overseas countries. Um, so I don't think that they should be doing that. Um, but when I was researching these stories of different people and just the process, a lot of the families and just people in the public I got really angry with. I find myself being angry at families of these people. They are kind of so selfish in their need for this person to be around for them um, that a couple of the stories I came across, they just did not care about the person, what they were going through, all the physical turmoil that they were going through. Um, I will talk a lot about motor neurone disease and Parkinson's disease in this episode and both of those, if you've ever known anyone with either, I've known someone with both, they are just horrific illnesses. Um, it's just hell on earth. Um, and I found that a lot of people who go to Dignitas do have motor neurone disease or Parkinson's disease. Um, I can honestly say if I 
got them, I would be going there too. Um, and I find that people who are against these kinds of things, um, assisted suicide, assisted dying, um, they wouldn't even know what these illnesses were. They wouldn't have ever heard of them. They're just digging their heels in over people and their business and it's not anyone's business. Um, so now I'm going to get into my episode about Dignitas in Switzerland. So I'm just going to start with a little bit about what assisted suicide is. And I'll generally use the term throughout this episode, assisted dying, because I always called it voluntary euthanasia, which I found out it kind of isn't. Um, They call it that or assisted suicide or assisted dying. Um, But generally, from what I read, the people at Dignitas and proponents of assisted dying prefer to say assistant dying um, for a number of reasons, which I'll get into. So essentially what assisted dying is, is it is a suicide that is undertaken with the help of someone else. Um, The term usually refers to what we know as physician, physician, (laughs) physician, assisted assisted suicide, so PAS. So it's suicide that is assisted by a doctor or another healthcare provider, um, such as kind of what's, such as what Dignitas does, they oversee the entire thing. Um, Assisted suicide can also just be someone who helps someone illegally, um, unfortunately, who wants to die. So they help them, but they can often face charges for that. Now with physician assisted suicide, you generally won't face charges because it's gone through all the legal hurdles that it needs to go through. Um, So essentially what happens is once it's determined that a person's either physical or mental condition that they're suffering with qualifies for PAS, as I'll call it, physician-assisted suicide, um, the person then travels to that place, um, for instance, Switzerland, like I'll be talking about on this episode, and is given a lethal dose of drugs that ends their life. So while assisting someone to die without PAS is a crime, it usually does result in a manslaughter charge. You can face up to 15 years in prison in Britain for helping someone die. PAS is legal in a number of countries and states of countries across the world. So for instance, in Australia, two states have laws that allow it, um, the rest don't. It's very complex and it comes under state laws. Um, So physician-assisted suicide involves a physician, quote, knowingly and intentionally providing a person with the knowledge or means or both required to commit suicide, including counselling about lethal doses of drugs, prescribing such lethal doses or supplying the drugs, unquote. Now, this is usually undertaken if a if the person is terminally ill um, and they have less than six months to live, or in some cases in some countries, if the person is mentally ill and they can prove that they have suffered for a significant amount of time with a mental illness and they don't see a quality of life ahead for them. The general reason that people seek out PAS is for physical pain. Um, That's the general, I think it's more than half of the people who go to Dignitas, um, are suffering from physical pain related to a physical condition. But other reasons for seeking out PAS is decreased enjoyment in life, increased depression and fear, um, loss of dignity and autonomy. So a lot of people lose their kind of motor skills, especially with motor neurone and Parkinson's. 
while people can preach about how, you know, they're still alive and they shouldn't be allowed to access it, um, that person should be able to kind of access something that helps them die with dignity um, before it gets to a point where they're unable to do things for themselves. Um, So that's assisted suicide. Um, Voluntary euthanasia, I found out, is actually different. So euthanasia is illegal. That is when somebody euthanasia essentially requires the consent of the person to die. Um, Voluntary euthanasia is the term when the person consents. Euthanasia is when generally they don't. Um, For instance, if someone was in, uh, I don't know, in like a coma and someone put a pillow over their head, you know, to end their pain while they were, you know, um, passed out or something like that without their consent. Most people disagree, as I said, with the word assisted suicide and prefer assisted dying as suicide is generally associated with people who are not terminally ill but end their life um, for kind of mental health reasons. So all of these things are some of the most controversial things that have been debated across the world. Um, And I'll be getting into Dignitas, which is a, they operate as an atheist organization. Your religious beliefs do not come into play um, with this. But the terminology that is debated um, across the world in regards to this is the terminology right to die, which you've probably heard before. The right to die is the belief that people have a right to die, um, either through their own suicide, through euthanasia, um, or by many times refusing life-saving medical treatment. So um, being a do not resuscitate a DNR, or for instance, I guess in a lot of ways, Jehovah's Witnesses, certain sects of um, religion, they don't allow for blood transfusions and things like that, I suppose. Um, that's kind of what you'd argue. Although I'd argue a child, um, you know, you, you can't make decisions like that based on a child. Um, so the first countries to legalize this were Belgium and the Netherlands in 2002. These are still very controversial. Um, a lot of cases that I've read about, cause this kind of interests me. There's been a couple where I've thought it crossed the line. Um, and this person shouldn't have been signed off. These ones only happened in the Netherlands. Um, There was one girl last year, it really disturbed me when I read her story in the news. She was only, I think, 16 um, and she opted to commit suicide because she had long-held depression. Um, And I felt like they should have been held accountable, the doctors, for signing off on that. Um, She had two independent doctors sign off on the fact that she had no quality of life ahead of her. Um, And I just couldn't believe it because when you're 16, you've got a long way to mature mentally. Um, You've got so much life ahead of you and so many things to look forward to. And the doctors should have turned her towards that. Um, They did not. She couldn't have suffered for too long. Um, There's people who suffer for decades with it. Um, It would have been a couple of years she had it. I don't think that's enough time to sign off on a teenager ending her life, but she's she's dead now. So, I mean, I don't know what's happening with that. Um, but that's a bit too liberal for my taste. And I think we can all look back on ourselves as teenagers when we would say things like, I want to die. We'd say things like, I wish you'd die. I'd say all these things. Um, there's a lot of maturity that comes with that. And it blows my mind that doctors 
weren't able to take that into consideration. But Dignitas does have age limit requirements and from what I've found, most people are well into middle age or their kind of senior years when they are accessing Dignitas's um, services. So let's talk about Dignitas in Switzerland. So normally this is where I'd talk about the actual country, but it feels a bit weird to do that um, in this particular episode. I'm sure that you all know um, where Switzerland is. It's kind of in... Um, it's in Western Europe. Um, I have been to Switzerland. I went to a little town called Lauterbrunnen. I was just talking to Mark, who was on an episode that you've probably listened to already um, about Switzerland. It was his favourite country he's ever been to. Um, it's up there for my mum's. Um, I loved it. It's picture perfect. It's gorgeous. It's famous for chocolates and um, watches and Swiss army knives and mountains and the Swiss Alps and generally very civilized people. Um, but it's also one of the most environmentally friendly countries in the world. It's actually voted the most sustainable country in the world. And the things I'm just doing this off the top of my head, I don't have notes about Switzerland, but I know this, um, they're an incredibly green country. They generally stay out of political conflicts. Um, they were neutral during the war um, and there's a lot to kind of admire about the Swiss, I find. Um, Roger Federer is Swiss. These are just things off the top of my head. And I think he's a wonderful gentleman. So, but I went up Jungfrau Mountain. Um, I took the little Cog Railway from the little um, village of Lauterbrunnen, which is so beautiful, so picturesque, so cold when I was there. It was snowing. And I went up this Cog Railway, up this very expensive trip all the way to the top of Jungfrau, which is when you're at the top, you're at the highest point in Europe. Got up there. Normally you get these amazing kind of snow-capped villages as far as the eye can see, green valleys in summer. And I got up there and it was just, you could not see anything. It was a complete whiteout and a blizzard. And Switzerland to do basic things um, is not cheap. <laughs> but I want to go to Lucerne. Um, that's one of the place I places I've always wanted to go to. Um, and I want to go to Zurich, which is the, I think Bern's the capital actually. Um, but yeah, but Switzerland's very expensive. And I remember buying a bottle of Coke for about seven euros, which was about $12 at the time. And I thought, oh my God, I couldn't live in Switzerland, even if I wanted to. Um, but I don't think I'd be able to anyway, even if um, the option was there, because I think it's very hard to gain um, residency to Switzerland um, for many reasons. But I just thought I'd add that in kind of my thoughts on Switzerland because this is for Julie. She's Swiss um, and a patron and this episode is pretty kind of upsetting and depressing. So I just thought I'd add a few um, little facts in about Switzerland. So in a weird segue, I'm going to get into Switzerland suicide tourism as it's called. So Dignitas is probably the most well-known um, assisted suicide organisation in the world um, and it operates from a number of rental properties just kind of near the city of Zurich, which I think is Switzerland's biggest city. So Dignitas 
was founded in 1998 by a man named Ludwig Minelli. He's a very controversial figure. He was a Swiss legal expert, um, a lawyer. He was a lawyer for human rights and that's how he got interested um, in the concept of assisted dying and the right to die. So in under Swiss law, assisted suicide is legal as long as it's not propelled by selfish motives. So the way that Dignitas operates is through this loophole. Um, a selfish motive would be killing someone in your family to access your inheritance early, um, assisting their suicide to kind of speed up that if they were unwell, um, you would face criminal charges for that. But because Dignitas and the people who work for Dignitas are objective people um, and they go through a lot of kind of crossing T's and dotting I's to make sure that what they do is ethical and legitimate and legal, um, they generally have avoided any lawsuits. Their motto is, quote, to live with dignity, to die with dignity, unquote. Now, they are a not-for-profit organisation and to this day, they've helped over 2,000 Swiss nationals and overseas visitors to die. People come from all over the world to die at Dignitas, including a number of Australians have done so. Um, so if you're a Swiss national, you have the option to die at your home um, in Switzerland. If you are flying in from another country, um, as I said, Dignitas has a, I think they have one main one now that they use, but they generally have about three different flats near Zurich um, that they have long-term um, that the person meets the Dignitas staff at and they go through um, the process. So I just want to read you a little bit from the Dignitas website. Quote, Welcome to Dignitas, to live with dignity, to die with dignity, the Swiss Self-Determination, Autonomy and Dignity Group. We are a not-for-profit member society which advocates, educates and supports for improving care and choice in life and at life's end. Our advisory concept of combining palliative care, suicide attempt prevention, advanced healthcare planning and assisted dying offers a basis for decision-making to shape life until the end. Since 1998, we are the spearhead for the worldwide implementation of the last human right, unquote. And that last human right um, that they talk about is the the right to die the way that you wish to die. In addition, though, they don't just do assisted um, suicides. Dignitas also offers palliative care for people who are dying. Um, they offer healthcare advice for people and they also... Um, kind of counsel people who have attempted suicide because generally with Dignitas, they always kind of push people towards living, but when there's no other option, um, that's when they're allowed to assist them with dying. They have worked on court cases all across the world in regards to right to die laws because they are really the, the kind of experts of the world in assisted living laws. Now, Dignitas takes the task of accepting physically and mentally ill people into their program, I will call it, very, very seriously. Um, and as I said earlier, the laws around their centres, as I'll call them, because um, it sounds weird saying flats, um, the laws around their centres are generally 
kind of the way they get around it is that loophole that I said. Um, but those laws aren't changing that allow them to do that. So they aren't facing charges for this and it's not illegal what they're doing. So I'm going to take you through what the steps to apply are. Um, please don't go and apply because I'm taking you through this, but I think it's important like to educate people on these because I think people who are against assisted dying don't really understand the full process. They just know that they go somewhere and get given something to die and they're like, no, 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 I'm, I don't like that. It's like if I take you through kind of the process of what they do, it really shows that these people are treated with the utmost dignity until they die and that choice is theirs. So firstly, the person must be a legal age. Now, generally in Switzerland, they've got like a lower drinking age and things like that. And I couldn't find a direct legal age that they have. It's very much, it depends, but I couldn't find someone who was less than 18 years old who had accessed um, assisted dying programs in Europe other than that teenage girl. The youngest person to die at Dignitas, which I'll get into, was 23 years old. Now, you have to write a formal letter to Dignitas outlines, outlining your reasons that you wish to die. Um, and if it's a physical or mental condition, you have to provide medical records that outline your illness, how long you've suffered from it, treatments that have been tried to improve it. Um, and you have to provide a lot of documentation. Now, to even write them a letter, you have to be a annual member. I think it's about a hundred US dollars. I think it's about 60 euros a year um, to be a member. And that's when they'll accept um, your letter. This kind of stops people from turning up at their doors without applying. Um, and it may sound like a rort that they've got a member fee, but I don't really see it like that. I think they're protecting themselves. Um, so for those who suffer from psychiatric illnesses, a psychiatrist must submit an in-depth medical report um, that says all the treatments that have been tried, how long this person has suffered from this, their quality of life, um, and so on. So from there, the applicant can fly from where they are if they are outside of Switzerland to Zurich, and they are able to meet with a number of Dignitas employees. Um, this is not an immediate thing that happens. There's no real waiting period, but they stress that they want to let people know that this is not an overnight thing. You don't turn up there and you die the next day. Um, they generally, when you go and meet with the Dignitas employees, you have to have an independent like doctor assess you on two separate occasions that are quite far apart from each other. Um, so often people fly into Switzerland and then back to their country and then back again. Um, there has to be that kind of waiting period in between for the two consultations. And the doctor then kind of takes the evidence that they take down. They go away, they assess it, and they weigh up whether or not this person has something that is... Um, kind of, I don't even know what the right word is. I'm trying to use the right words in case you haven't noticed. Um, something that is kind of bad enough that they are able to access Dignitas's services. So when the person then gets the, as they call it, green light um, from Dignitas um, to access the services, you can back out any time until you die with Dignitas. Um, the applicant signs a legal affidavit that cites their reasons 
to die and their desire to die. This is their legal cover um, that Dignitas has. If the person physically cannot sign something, for instance, if someone has motor neurone disease um, and or Parkinson's and they physically cannot hold the pen, a video a video is made where the person verbally makes it clear that they want to die. These affidavits and videos protect against any legal dispute later. The person at this point also decides if they want Dignitas to handle all the decisions that happen after their death. So I'm going to go through the costs of Dignitas. Um, the cost for the service is um, about 5,000 British pounds, which is about seven, it's probably on par with euros. I'm not really up with the currency anymore. It's about 8,000 US dollars for the preparation and the suicide assistance. Um, so that price is for if your family is going to handle the funeral um, and your cremation. Most people cremate because they don't have to transport a body afterwards. Um, but it costs about 7,770 pounds or just short of 12,000 US dollars if this person doesn't want their family to handle things afterwards, whether they go by themselves, which they can. Um, Dignitas can handle the funeral afterwards, um, the scattering of the ashes, the cremation, um, medical costs and all fees associated with that. Now, Dignitas has been known to waive a number of fees and give people a significant discount when they meet the requirements to use Dignitas's services, but they have financial hardship. The entire process, as I said, always points towards living over dying. Um, and Manelli, who is the man that started it, who was the human rights lawyer, he told the Guardian newspaper, quote, it is quite simple. As long as we are able to help them in the direction of life, we help them in the direction of life. When this fails, we are ready to help them in the other direction, unquote. He also told The Guardian, quote, usually if the person has terminal cancer, motor neurone disease or multiple sclerosis, and they are telling us, I don't like to live some weeks or months until the terrible end, then it is quite clear and we have no difficulty in saying yes. Then there are those people who are just tired of life. With life expectancy growing and medical sophistication improving, people are increasingly worried about whether they will be condemned to linger, to linger on forced to end their lives in an institution. Our members say, with our pets, when they are old and in pain, we help them. Why am I not entitled to go to the vet? Why haven't I had such an opportunity? We hear this often, unquote. See, I'm not sure if that's a good um, analogy to use because pets don't ask to die. We make the decision for them that their lives aren't worth living. Um, but I do get what he's saying. And he's saying that with our aging population in the world right now, Australia has an aging population. Um, the majority of people, because the baby boomers were such a huge, um, there were so many born at that time. And then the numbers kind of trickled down after that. So many people from now are ending up in aged care homes that there aren't enough places for people. But if you've ever been to an aged care home or you've had a grandparent like I have or even just a younger person who ended up in an aged care home because of a traumatic brain injury or something like that, um, it does kind of strip a lot of your dignity away. Some people cope with it well, but depression and that is rife in aged care homes. 
So under Swiss law, as I said, Dignitas operates as a non-profit organization. And one of the things that people criticize a lot about it um, is that it doesn't have to classify its finances to the public as a not-for-profit. So people, for some reason, latch on to the fact that they're making tons of money um, doing this. And um, I just find that like a really strange thing um, because as a non-profit, they should have to show their finances, but under the law that they fall under, they don't have to. Um, so I guess they just want an even playing field, um, people, and that's one of the criticisms of it. But I'm going to take you through a few controversies that Dignitas has faced before I get into the actual process of death. So there was a former employee, I'm not going to name her, but she was employed by Dignitas for two and a half years um, from 2003 to 2005. And a number of years after she left, she was very vocal in saying that Dignitas was, quote, a production line of death concerned only with profits, unquote. She said that a number of people who had died at Dignitas had left the director, Manelli a lot of money um, in addition to the fees. They had left him money in their wills and things like that. She said that some were not terminally ill, um, which the requirements aren't that you have to be terminally ill. Um, so I don't know why she's saying that because she worked there for two and a half years, so she should know the rules. Um, she said a lot of people died in pain. Um Again, I find that really crazy because a lot of these people have intense pain from advanced cancer and things like that, um, and they're going to be in pain pretty much right up until three minutes before they die. Um, and she said she resigned after an incident in which a new type of machine um, left a client suffering for 70 hours. Now, there's no evidence of this particular case anyway. These are just things that she has said. She Basically, the people who have worked at Dignitas for a long time said that she left years before um, when it was relatively new, um, the organisation, um, and they denied what she was saying. And she said in retaliation, quote, if the state prosecutors feel I'm making myself rich, they should start legal proceedings. So that was the director, sorry, that said that. Um, and they never did start legal proceedings. So Another controversy, which probably isn't great, um, I'll admit that, in 2010, divers in Lake Zurich, which is a large lake in Zurich, duh, um, they found 60 cremation urns in the lake. Now, they were able to trace this back to Dignitas um, because the urns had the logo of Zur Zurich um, Crematorium on them um, and Dignitas logo as well on them. Um, now, apparently, this former employee who I was talking about earlier who was talking about them a lot, she said that Dignitas had dumped about 300 urns in the lake, um, urns basically whether or not they had remains in them, I don't know, but I'm going to say that they're empty urns. Um, she said that the director Manelli had dumped them there himself and then later asked his daughter and another member of staff to do it. Now, in 2008, um, two members of Dignitas were caught trying to pour the ashes of 20 urns into Lake Zurich. Um, I don't find that particularly weird because people scatter ashes all the time. Um, and a lot of people at Dignitas go on their own and want Dignitas to handle their remains after. So I don't really understand why that's an issue. Um, 
and nothing's really come of that in regards to the law. I will say putting the actual urns in the lake is pretty poor um, and I find it strange um, because I would presume that if people are leaving them behind, they would be like reusing urns, um, you know, at some point. Now, another thing that's happened is that early in the early days before they could get what is now pretty steady um, properties where people will go to die. Dignitas had massive problems, obviously, um, because of all the controversy around them being able to get properties and keep them. They were evicted and locked out the minute that people found out, that landlords found out what was happening there, um, even though it was a not-for-profit profit organization that is legal. Um, and at one point, Manelli, the director, he had to do the assisted deaths in his own home and in hotels. However, his counsel found out that he was doing these assisted deaths in his own home. Um, his neighbours were getting very pissed off because undertakers then come and collect the body and police have to come and confirm that it was legal by watching the video that's taken of the death, which I'll get into later. Obviously, this is not cool because neighbours don't want that happening. And I totally get that. Um, hotels also don't want that happening. But if you've got a rental property, um, I'm pretty sure the law covers you for things like this. Um, pretty much they blocked him for a long time at every turn um, before it became more commonplace and accepted in Switzerland. And now it is predominantly accepted by the Swiss. Um, so what happened is when he was stopped from doing it in his own home, Swiss people were very on board with Dignitas um, and they started offering their own homes for him to do it in, um, which is kind of crazy. Imagine just going like to someone's house with them there and their family to die. It's, it's crazy. So another controversy is that not a huge amount because they have assisted with about over 2,000 deaths now. A few people who have visited the early locations that Dignitas had, um, which were even the director admits some of the early rentals that he had in apartments were very, um, it's not a, a, a pretty place to die. They weren't attractive apartments. It didn't make people feel comfortable or calm or anything like that. Um, they were quite run down and things like that. A few people in the early days actually left, um, which a couple of these people are still alive today. So I don't know if he somehow managed to inadvertently, um, propel them towards living. Um, but they basically asked for their money back. Now, the current house that they mostly use um, has two bedrooms. Um, it's a non-disclosed location so that people don't go there and picket it and um, harass people who are going there to die who have serious conditions and things like that. Um, the way to describe it, the Guardian reporter who went, um, Amelia Gentleman, she went to this particular place. She did not witness a death, but um, she basically spent a number of days with with the Dignitas staff and she described it as essentially an open room. It's very light, very minimal, tons of natural light coming in. Um, it has a hospital bed in the room and a sofa for the family and friends to sit on. Um, it's very kind of minimal and kind of elegant. There are boxes of tissues next to the sofa for people who cry um, when their loved one dies 
People can play music. Um, it's all set up for that. There's even CDs left behind of people who have previously died. Um, most of it classical music like Tchaikovsky and things like that. Um, the Guardian reporter Amelia described it as, quote, sunny, clean and neutral, unquote. Now, they've essentially had this house since 2009, um, and this is where accompanied suicide for people from abroad takes place. But also if Swiss people want to die, um, even though they don't make up a huge percentage of the people, um, they can do it in their own homes in Switzerland under the law, or they can go to this place if they prefer not to do it in their own home. So now I'm going to get in the pro- into the process of dying at Dignitas um, and what happens. So maybe skip forward a little bit. I don't know how long it will take um, if you don't want to hear this, but it is very kind of, you know, it's very natural and, um, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Everyone who, most people who have had family and friends die there who have witnessed it said it was very calm, very tranquil. And um, a lot of them have ended up campaigning for the same laws to be in place in the UK. So this is where I'm going to get into um, the process of dying at Dignitas. So the person arrives at the home um, on their day of their appointment with any friends or family they want. One guy um, I read about had 12 people with him. Um, Some people arrive early and spend some time together in Zurich or somewhere else in Switzerland, um, have have kind of like a a last trip out of it. Some people arrive alone. Some people arrive with lots of people. Some people arrive literally the day before just to, they want to get it over with. Um, It all depends on the person. So on the actual day in question, um, they arrive at the Dignitas Clinic, as it's called. They sit at a table with um, a companion who is assigned, who is someone who's very experienced um, in assisting people with assisted dying at Dignitas. Um, so they sit at this table um, and they discuss their procedure um, and they are told they can leave at any time um, up until they obviously drink the um, final drugs that will end their life. If they are certain, um, they can sign the final documents. Um, People have left at this point. Um, It becomes the reality kind of hits them um, and they leave. Other people are certain, which is most people, because if you've gone through this whole process, um, you're pretty certain. But being in the actual room um, at the table, seeing that you're about to die soon um, is kind of a reality check for a lot of people. Um, But for some people, it's comforting as well. Um, this process can take all day. It really depends. So there was a companion who was mentioned in the Guardian piece. Her name's Beatrice Butcher. Um, and she had worked at Dignitas for a long time. Um, pretty much since their beginning, she'd worked there for a decade. So her job was every day to assist people, uh, or almost every day with either talking about their upcoming death or being there for their death. Um, she's, is apparently a favourite with people. She's incredibly soothing and comforting. Um, she said, quote, they need to know that they can go home at any time. I'm constantly asking if this is what they want. I have to be clear that this is that this is really the moment. 
unquote. So she means the moment to tell her. Um, she said that a number of times people have left. She said, quote, one woman still calls me to say thank you, unquote. So they can take their time, they can do it immediately, they can take hours, um, they pretty much have the entire day. Um, so Beatrice told The Guardian, quote, if someone wants to talk about their life for six hours, we will never hurry them. The music, all the details are their choice. We are servants of their desire for self-determination. Sometimes they will sit at the table and talk about their family and their life and we have a nice time. Sometimes the person who is going to die will appear to be angry and quite bossy and tell me to hurry up, but I know it's not how they are feeling inside. Once I had a mother, not so old, in her 50s, who was really ill. She came with her daughter, who was perhaps 25. The mother was very firm that she would go quickly and that it was not a problem. She told the daughter that she was not to cry and made her go and stand in the kitchen. I had to explain that this is not the way. You should not tell your daughter she cannot cry, unquote. So obviously she's had people from, with all kinds of kind of approaches to it. Um, and that woman, I'm sure, was just terrified um, and just didn't want to say goodbye to her daughter. Was It was too overwhelming. I kind of felt that... Um, in her kind of the way that she described that. Um, I do want to say Manelli, the director, is never there for the deaths. Um, it is just the companion, who I think is generally a woman, um, and the family. Um, he doesn't want to be there and get in the way. So when they are ready to die, the patient lies down um, as sitting up often results in the person, um, their jaw kind of hanging open when they die. Um, I think this happened a couple of times and the family was really traumatized, um, because people obviously kind of lose all their facial, um, control, um, and kind of, it goes very slack. Um, and it's not really one of how you want to imagine people. So they generally have the patient lie down on the bed that's there. There's usually flowers next to them. Um, music can play and, so what happens when they take the drugs? Swiss law allows assisted dying or assisted suicide, right? But not euthanasia. And the way that they classify that is the difference between the two is that the person, for it to be legal, has to take the drugs or drink the drink themselves. Euthanasia, it's, they're not physically doing it. So in this instance, even if the person is, um, kind of has Parkinson's and they're shaking a lot, they have to drink it. Um, and if they're unable to kind of grasp the cup, um, a machine is actually there that can actually hold the cup for them. But it's it's the legal thing and they have to do that. So what happens first is they give an anti-vomiting drug um, and this takes about half an hour to set in. This is so that the person doesn't throw up um, essentially what the overdose of drugs that's coming up for them. And after taking this anti-vomiting drug and waiting half an hour, this is when the person says their final farewells to their family or friends who's there. If they're there by themselves, um, which a lot of people are, um, the companion just sits with them and can talk to them um, for as long as they want until the next part comes. So generally it takes about half an hour for that to kick in. And what follows is a lethal overdose of 15 grams of pentobarb... It's it's powdered form um, in a glass of water. It's pentobarbital, um, which is like a barbiturate, barbiturate, which was 
kind of a retro drug for people to overdose on back in the day. Um, now, the drink with this in it is very bitter. So often the person has like a little bit of Swiss chocolate um, to kind of enjoy, but also to kind of stop that bitter taste. Um, so Beatrice kind of talked about a woman who came with her two daughters to Dignitas from another country and they didn't have a very good relationship. They had a very strained relationship with their mother um, and she drank this fatal overdose. And um, after that, she took them in her arms and she said, quote, I love you. You are my best ones, unquote. And then Beatrice said, quote, then she died. They said it was the first time she had hugged them like that. That was a good moment for me. It was not too late for her to show how she felt, unquote. So essentially how this drug works is it depresses the central nervous system the person very quickly becomes drowsy. Um, they fall asleep. It's it's very much like the process of lethal injection, um, although it's more kind of humane. Um, and they fall asleep within about three to five minutes. Um, and then the overdose kind of deepens. Um, they go into a coma. Their breathing becomes quite shallow. Um, they generally then die um, after gasping for breath for a little bit. Um, it's generally about 30 to 40 minutes after taking the pentobarbital that they die. Now, this entire death is filmed um, on a video camera for legal reasons. They have to film it um, and the Dignitas companions stay afterwards um, to handle the police and the undertaker. So the police and the undertaker come. The police have to legally watch the video to ensure that the person drank it themselves, um, that it was all handled ethically and legally. Um, and then the undertaker takes the body away. So, yeah, as I said, any family can be with the person um, and some people come with no one and some people come with, you know, 20 people. There was a controversy um, in 2008. Um, Dignitas tried out using helium gas um, instead of the pentobarbital overdose. Um, in four cases, they used that. There was no real kind of bad reaction to it, um, but... They do find that just drinking it um, and drinking the overdose is generally kind of the most humane way to go about it. In 2008, also, the 60% of assisted suicides at Dignitas were from German nationals um, who come over from Germany to Switzerland, which I found really interesting. So that's the whole process of dying, but I just wanted to give you this this quote from Manelli, the director, um, he's very blunt. Um, and I, he does, he's still alive because I can't find any evidence he's dead, but based on what I can tell, he'd be in his late eighties now. Um, but he's very blunt. Like he is very for the right to die. Um, and if people aren't able to get to Switzerland, he's been very blunt about telling people how to end their lives. Um, and this is a quote from him, quote, if you really want to die, there are three options. There is hanging, but it is very risky. If you are found too early, you will live on. But as an idiot, because the brain will have stopped flowing to your brain. You can go to a Swiss glacier wearing light clothes and you will die of cold. But if you are found too early, you will lose your legs or you can stop eating and just drink tea and water, unquote. So he's really saying that this is the kind of 
guaranteed way to die um, at Dignitas because he is right um, with a number of other ways um, people have been cut down early. My mum had a patient when she was very young who he was only 18, I think, and he tried to hang himself. His dad cut him down um, and he was in an aged care home when he was like 18 um, because there was nowhere for him to go and he was essentially um, in a vegetative state um, and his father always kind of regretted cutting him down because then you can't die. We didn't have assisted living, um, assisted dying laws back then um, in Victoria. We only have them. They're relatively new. So I just want to go into a little bit about Dignitas now and a few facts um, about them. So most people, weirdly, who contact Dignitas aren't actually requesting to die. Um, They're really just requesting assurance that if they were they needed to die, um, they would be accepted into the program. Like they want to know the option is there. 21% of people receiving assisted suicide in Dignitas do not have a terminal or progressive illness, but rather, quote, weariness of life, unquote. So people who are just overliving and we all know people like that. Um, There's heaps of old people that I've come across and known in my life who are just kind of over it. I kind of think of Hannah S. Thompson, um, who wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and all of that. And he's amazing. And as a journalism student, I like idolized him. Um, and he really had a weariness of life. He committed suicide in his sixties. He said he'd lived way too long already. He'd gone through all this stuff. Bear in mind the way he went about it was not cool. Um, his family was in the next room. Um, he was kind of that kind of guy though. You would expect that. Um, and then Johnny Depp shot his ashes out of a cannon and it cost about 2 million pounds or something. Um, wherever it was, I think in, in America, $2 million or something, um, because Johnny Depp was his best mate. So he was a quirky character. So in 2011, a bill was put forward for Parliament to get rid of Dignitas um, after, you know, almost over a decade um, in Switzerland and people vehemently in Switzerland opposed this bill. They wanted to keep it. I think it was over 80% of people wanted to keep it and believe that people had the right to die. Um, There was a second bill in the same one that was put forward that if they were to keep it, they would ban non-residents. So only Swiss nationals would be able to access it. Um, And that was also vehemently um, voted against by the Swiss. They believe that non-residents should have access to it. Um, the Swiss, I honestly can't, I can't say anything bad about them. Um, I think they're some of the classiest people in the world. As of 2015, 300 British visitors had died at Dignitas. Um, I believe one goes every nine days to die from Britain in Dignitas because Britain has really, um, crazy laws about not letting you choose to die on your own terms. And as of March 2018, um, assisted dying is legal in the Netherlands, Belgium, Colombia, Luxembourg and Canada. Um, So 
that is human euthanasia. Now, assisted suicide, just what I went into with Dignitas, is Switzerland, Germany, Netherlands, Western Australia, which is a state of Australia, and Victoria, which is my state, but the rest of the states don't. And in the United States, it's Washington, Oregon, Colorado, Hawaii, Vermont, and Maine, New Jersey, California, and the District of Columbia. There are a number of documentaries about Dignitas and the movie Me Before You, if you've seen it, with Amelia Clark, um, touches on the right to die um, and kind of assisted dying um, significantly in that story. So I've just gone through and kind of looked up different stories of people um, who have died at Dignitas. Um, and I think it's important to kind of share a few of these people's stories because their own struggles, um, especially a number of them, their physical kind of handicaps towards the end, um, it's heartbreaking what they kind of had to go through um, in order to get to Dignitas. Now, I will say the vast majority of people um, who go to Dignitas have physical problems, um, are generally terminal. Um, Dignitas still has many legal hurdles to overcome in regards to signing off on mental conditions. Um, physical ones are able to get the green light, uh, easier to get the green light for. However, they have not been prosecuted for any they've done mental or physical. So, um, Manelli, the director, told The Guardian, quote, we have a lot of members who have had depression for years and years and years. They say we've tried so many treatments and they haven't worked. If they tell you I've been depressed for 15 years and I don't intend to be so for another 15 years, who should say no to that? In extremes, he will offer advice on how to end one's life efficiently at home, unquote. And he has kind of a funny quote um, because this journalist from The Guardian asked him about um, what he thinks about people's opinions, some people that he's tarnished tarnished Switzerland's reputation um, as a tourism location for this suicide tourism. And his response was, quote, Switzerland was already famous for tax evasion tourism, unquote. Um, which is true because Swiss bank accounts, you don't have to put a name on it. So a lot of people hide their money away there. So here are a few people's stories. Um, there was a documentary made, I believe, by the BBC called Right to Die. It was called something else that I can't remember in other countries where it was released. It was very controversial. Um, everyone had an opinion, seemingly. It featured the story of a man named Craig Hewitt. He was a 59-year-old um, man from the United Kingdom. Um, he was a retired university professor, obviously a very clued-in guy, and he had motor neurone disease. Um, honestly, look up motor neurone, um, and if you don't believe it's bad enough um, to kind of want to die from, um, look up some videos of it. Um, my mum knew a woman. Um, it's generally a lot of it is hereditary. She knew a woman who died of it in her 60s um, and at the exact same time um, her daughter was battling it who was in her 30s um, and they both died within like a week of each other. Um, often it's very quick. Um, it takes you but in a couple of these cases, these people suffered for far longer than they needed to. It's it's just unbearable. So this man, Craig Hewitt, he went to Dignitas um, and in the documentary, Right to Die, um, 
they basically sh- filmed him dying. Um, he had his wife, Mary. They'd been married for 37 years at his side as he died. Um, and for some reason that still, despite seeing him like that, it still had people putting their opinions in. But then again, I'm putting my opinion in. But I think we should focus less on what other people are doing and kind of, um, kind of, you know, we should just get on with our own lives. So another famous Dignitas case was a British conductor. He was very well known. He conducted for the BBC Philharmonic and the Royal Opera. His name was Sir Edward Downs. He was 85 when he went to Dignitas. Um, His health was obviously failing. Um, He was losing his hearing and he was almost entirely blind. His wife, Joan, who was 74, um, she had terminal liver and pancreatic cancer and they died together at Dignitas in July 2009. The youngest person to die at Dignitas was Daniel James. He was a 23-year-old rugby player. He was training one day and he had an accident training. Rugby is very dangerous, um, especially for your neck. Um, He was paralyzed entirely, became a quadriplegic. Um, He was only very young when that happened. Um, He'd only been like this for a couple of years when he died um, at Dignitas. He had repeatedly tried to kill himself um, after this accident. So his parents um, took him to Dignitas because that's what he wanted and he was an adult. Um, I don't know how he tried to kill himself being um, paralysed entirely, but I presume kind of like a million-dollar baby choking on your own tongue kind of thing. Um Richard Sally, he was a Scottish teacher, very smart man. He was 65 and he had motor neurone disease, which was getting worse and worse. He died with his wife beside him holding his hand at Dignitas and she said it was incredibly peaceful and since then she has become a campaigner for similar things to be allowed in their home country of Scotland. Jeff Whaley, he also had motor neurone disease. Unfortunately, his wife, Anne, went along with him um, to Dignitas to hold his hand um, as he died. I believe they were in their 60s. When Anne got back to England, she, as other people, um, were harassed by police and faced charges um, of assisting suicide, um, despite it not happening in their country and it not legally being assisted suicide. Um, She wasn't allowed to grieve because the police were essentially harassing her nonstop um, when she was missing her husband of a long time. The same thing happened to James Holly. His wife died at Dignitas after a long lung condition, which left her pretty much unable to breathe. He was by her side in 2016 when she died. When he returned to England to grieve, the police were at his doorstep um, telling him that he was going to prison. He faced up to 14 years in prison, um, but as with all of these things, it did not go ahead. The first British person to travel to Switzerland to die at Dignitas was a man named Reg Crew. He had suffered from motor neurone disease for four years um, and he died at Dignitas in January 2003. A man named Gordon Hurst, who died at Dignitas, had suffered from Parkinson's disease for a number of years. He travelled to Dignitas by himself and died alone with a companion there. 
Um, his relatives only found out about his death from letters he had arranged to be sent to them after death. And they were really pissed off because it's the me, me, me generation. Um, they were just pissed he hadn't told them. They didn't say anything in the interview I read um, about missing him or anything like that. Um, a retired doctor, Dr. Ann Turner, um, went to the clinic after she was terminally ill in um, January 2006 to die. She had had a progressive and incurable degenerative disease, which was a form of palsy. She had been barely able to walk with a stick um, and her future was in a wheelchair and she did not see her future like that. The first British couple to die together um, at the centre were Peter Duff and Penelope Duff. Peter was 80 and Penelope was 70. They died at Dignitas in February 2009. Both Peter and Penelope had terminal cancer and wanted to die together. And the final story I wanted to share with you was um, an Australian man um, born in England but always lived out here called David Goodall. Um, his story was very big a couple of years ago. Um, it almost broke my heart when it happened. He was an Australian scientist. He was a lauded ecologist and botanist, had taught at universities and he had reached the age of 104. He did not have terminal cancer, anything like that. Um, he was, he didn't have cancer at all. Um, he had just lived a long life. His eyesight was failing um, and he had said he had done all he wanted to do and he wanted to have been gone by 104. Um, he wanted to end life on his own terms and, you know, not be relying on other people. At 104, he was still living on his own. Um, his wife had died um, and the whole story was very sad. The story was on the Australian news um, and most nice, normal people, they raised the money that was required for David to go to Dignitas to die, which he did um, in May 2018. Sadly, there's always people who complain and a bunch of people were not happy with this 104-year-old man um, who they didn't know, probably wouldn't have visited him even if they did know him, um, ending his life on his own terms. Um, he took his friend along who was from a assisted dying advocacy group in Australia um, and they had a kind of little trip around Zurich in Switzerland um, and he said he was, quote, happy at the end. Um, he was also wearing a jumper that said ageing disgracefully, which I love. Um, and you can look up pictures, you know, of him and videos of him talking. I might actually finish um, the episode with him talking about his experience before he died. But until the end, he said that it was someone's choice to die. Um, no one else's choice was involved. Um, he said, quote, it's my own choice to end my life tomorrow. And I look forward to that. So Dr. Manelli, um, I couldn't find anything that he was gone. He's now in his late 80s from what I can add up. He regularly has people knocking on his door, finding him um, and asking if they can die in his apartment, which is crazy. He turns them away. He tells them what the application process is. Um, people come to him who literally don't have the money to pay Dignitas. He said that when he's had to turn people away, they've killed themselves in their car. Um, a lot of them have mental conditions. A number have schizophrenia. Um, and in their more lucid moments, they've kind of 
said that they want to die and, and have told family who is with them that they want to die. Um, a number of them have terminal conditions but don't have the money to raise to go to Dignitas. Um, and he generally always lets them in his apartment um, to talk and to give them options. So I really just wanted to talk about Switzerland today. Um, other countries have them, but this is Switzerland um, that I'm covering today. Um, and yeah, I just thought this was kind of an, a different episode to do, a different kind of style. And as much as it may get you down, this is this is life. Um, and I really just want to thank Julie for picking Switzerland because this is a topic that I'm really passionate about. Um, and I never would have been able to cover this if you hadn't become a patron because I don't have any other listeners, I don't think, that are Swiss. So um, hopefully your choice has led to someone being educated. Um, if you don't agree with it, that's totally your, your choice as well. Um, but, yeah, you know. But anyway, I'm going to wrap up this kind of bit of a downer episode now. Um, the next episode I will be doing will be patron trains episode. So stay tuned for that because I'll be bringing someone on for that. Um, follow Unknown Passage on Instagram at Unknown Passage Pod. Visit the website at unknownpassagepodcast.com. Um, you can also go to Patreon through the website or just go on patreon.com slash unknown passage podcast and become a patron. I've got a $2 a month tier and a $5 a month tier. And you guys are so awesome who have already signed up. But if you can't, can I please ask you to go on your podcast platform of choice and leave a rating and review? It means so much. I've um, had two more this week and it's so nice to see. So thank you so much. Um, so I will interact with you over on um, Instagram or if you don't have Instagram, send me an email. Um, patrons can message me through the Patreon community, um, private message me there or, you know, whatever. So I hope that you've learned a little bit this episode and it's been something different um, because it is people who are dying um, generally overseas, so it does fit in. But, um, yeah, so I know, I know there's a number of, if you feel passionately about this, um, there are a number of petitions you can sign um, in your own countries, um, especially countries where it's not legal um or even discussed that much so do your own research and yeah so until next time thanks <laughs>